Hello, my friends. I'm enjoying a beautiful day in Franklin, Tennessee on this, the last day of February, but it feels more like um, maybe the middle of April. I mean, the sun is shining and the grass is turning green and the trees are about to bloom and it's just altogether a very wonderful day. I had lots of things on my mind today and I actually recorded a totally different podcast, but I've decided to send this one out instead. And today, what I want to give to you is a gift. It's a gift that will help you in your battle to believe. I don't know about you, but I've got some prayers in my life that I've been praying for a very long time. And I still know that God is good. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. I know that God is working all things together for good. And, um, but goodness, I wish that he'd just work it together quicker, right? And so anyway, this is session two of my four session study called uh, Teach My Heart to Pray. And it's actually part one of session two. And as I was studying it today, preparing to teach it to the class that I'm leading right now tonight on Zoom, I'm leading a, a class from our church as we go through Teach My Heart to Pray. I thought, you know what? This would be an encouraging message for my podcast listeners, for them also to um, have some I guess just some extra oomph in this battle for us to believe. This session is all about um, trusting that God will indeed hear and answer us when we pray. In our first session, I answered three questions. What is prayer? Communication with God. What's the purpose of prayer? to receive God's answers to our prayers. And then how do you get started praying? Well, you just start talking to God. You just pray. So if we know that God wants to answer you when you pray, and if we also know that God will answer you when you pray, then the answers to your prayers are only a prayer away. I'm going to talk to you today about three ways you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God will answer you when you pray. You're gonna be confident. After you hear this, you're gonna be like, of course he does. Why would he not? And then I'm gonna talk to you in the second part of today's lesson about five answers that God gives us when we pray. So the first way that you can know that God will answer you when you pray is because he's given you his word. So what we have here is a Bible and you know that the Bible is not just one book. It's a collection of 66 books written over the span of like 3,700 to 4,000 years. The Bible records from Genesis to Revelation the experience of God with man. Throughout the Old Testament, God wrote in His Word His interaction with His people. Now, I want to back up a minute and say that because God's given us his word, or to repeat this truth, you can know that he'll answer you when you pray. Now, I've compiled for you 20 verses out of the word of God that tell us that God answers us when we pray. You can find those verses on page... 24 in your book. And I'm just going to read a few of them for you. So, Matthew 21, 22. Whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive. If you have faith, 
One of my favorites is 1 John 5, 14 and 15, the first verse that I put in the list. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of Him. <laughs> Pretty big promises in God's Word. So you got the Word of God. I've given you 20 verses that show you that God answers you when you pray. There's a whole lot more in there. I just pulled out 20 of them. And in this Word, God's given you His Word, and so you can bank on it. Now, how do I know that you can bank on the Word of God? Whose Word can you bank on? You can bank on the Word of a person whose character supports their conversation. If their character and their person supports their Word, then you can know that their Word is true. Now, I have a perfect illustration of times when a person's character is very much in contrast with their word. And here it is. I have a three-year-old granddaughter. Now, my three-year-old granddaughter is an amazing little person. She is going to take life by the horns and do great things. Her name is River. River. And she's in a preschool, and the people at this preschool are like angels to me because they so believe in the beauty of my little three-year-old granddaughter. But three-year-old River is still learning her social skills. And so there are days at the preschool when she does things that are not kind to her friends. So, it is not unusual for me to take her to her preschool in the morning, and before she gets out of the car, I'll say, River, today we're going to have a good day. Yes, Nana, it's going to be a good day. I say, we're going to be kind to our friends. And she will immediately say to me, no hitting, no scratching, no pushing. And she'll go down the list of all of the altercations that she has had at preschool. And will take off to school with high hopes of a great day because River has given me her word. Then there will be some days when I'll go to pick her up in the afternoon. And the director of the preschool will say, Leanne, and she'll invite me over. And there'll be an accident report I have to fill out. That basically it just says, yes, I understand that my child pushed another child down and it was not a good thing. Oh! So my friend's River's character and her behavior doesn't always support her word. A perfect contrast, though, to the Word of God. And you can say to me, so Leanne, how do you know that the character of God supports His Word? Well, God's given us a perfect illustration of that. Think about the Scripture. If you're new to it, you're going to enjoy hearing this story. If you have grown um, accustomed to God's Word and you're like me, you've heard it since before you knew that you were hearing it, then I want you to have fresh understanding of what I'm about to share with you. In the book of Genesis, the very first book of the 66, we're introduced to a man named Abraham. Abraham sounds like he's minding his own business when God says to Abraham, I have chosen you, Abraham, and you as a man are going to be the father of a nation. You're going to be the father of an important and significant group of people, and they're going to be my people, and I'm going to be their God. Abraham, ironically enough, had a wife who was infertile at the time. And miraculously, in their old age, Abraham and Sarah had a baby. 
And that baby grew up and, and he had a son. And his son, Jacob, grew up, got in trouble, had all kinds of family troubles, just like the rest of us do, wrestled with God in the wilderness, would not let go until God blessed him. And when God blessed Abraham's grandson, Jacob, he changed his name to Israel. And he said to Jacob, because you have wrestled with God and won. And so God gave the nation of Israel a mighty name. And out of Jacob and, and his lineage, the nation was birthed. And all throughout the books of the Old Testament, we read about God's interaction with his people, the nation of Israel. And we understand, we begin to understand the character of God. Because we see that even when they are unfaithful to him, God remains faithful to them. And so we see that when God says, I love you, he means it. Because he's going to love you through the thick and the thin. We see that when God says, I have given you my word, he's going to keep it. Because he remains faithful to his word, even if his people are unfaithful to him. So we follow the ups and downs of the people of God, Israel, until we get to the New Testament. When the Son of God came as an Israelite, as a member of that nation, and he came to demonstrate the whole time, the whole purpose of the nation of Israel was to show the world who God is and what God does. So here we are today in the year well into the 2000s, thousands of years past all of that revelation of God in this ancient collection of books. And even today, we can see with our own physical eyes in our own physical world the way the Lord God Almighty is relating to His people, Israel. In 1948, they established themselves as a nation. A few days later, they miraculously won the, the onslaught of their enemies invading them to take back the land that they were established to rule and to, to inhabit. And today, literally, the Israelite nation is, is exchanging the capital of their country from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem and thus fulfilling a verse right out of God's word that comes in Zechariah chapter 8, verses 7 and 8. And this verse simply says this. Listen, this is what the Lord God Almighty, the Lord of Heaven's army says. You can be sure that I will rescue my people from the east and the west. I will bring them home again to live safely in Jerusalem. They will be my people and I will be faithful and just toward them as their God. What other people group in all of our history of the world have survived from the beginning to now? What other people group have resurrected a dead and ancient language? Maybe not dead, but ancient. Do you know that the language of the Israelite nation today is the Hebrew language? They resurrected an ancient language and make it the vernacular, the, the language they use to communicate today. Fascinating what's going on with the people of Israel. But the reason it's fascinating and the reason I'm bringing it up right now is when God says to us, I've given you my word, we look to see what words God's given before and if he can be counted on to keep his word. And most unlike my granddaughter Rilla, God keeps his word. What he sets out to do, he will do. So when God says to us, ask, and it will be given, knock, and it will be opened, seek, and you will find, he means it because he says it. It's not based on whether you believe it or not. It's based on his character because he's given us his word. In fact, in Hebrews 6, verse 18, the scripture says this very phrase, God cannot lie, nor can he break a promise. 
And friends, I've, I've shown you 20 actual promises in God's Word that say to us that God will answer us when we pray. There's a promise I want us to focus on just for one second, and that is Jeremiah 33.3. Jeremiah 33.3, the prophet says these words, The Lord himself was saying, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and mighty things that you do not know. Now, I'm going to do something to you that was done to me. A few years ago, a pastor in my life said, I find myself waking up at 3.33 a.m. often in the middle of the night or the morning. And he said, and when I do, I always think of a Jeremiah 33.3. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and mighty things that you do not know. And ever since he said that to me, I found myself waking up at 3.33 a.m. often in the night. So watch and see if that doesn't happen to you now, too. But if you wake up at 3.33 a.m., I want you to listen to the voice of the Spirit in your life, in your, in your heart, in your mind. And I want you to hear God say to you, call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and mighty things that you do not know. And my friends, that's an invitation from the heart of God for us to call out to Him in prayer. And for us to listen for Him, perhaps, to tell us things that we don't know. Now listen to me closely. Many of the times we give up praying is because when we come to pray, we tell God what we're looking for. We define it exactly for Him. We might even give Him due dates. And we've got it all worked out. And we're saying to God, this is what I want, this is what I want, this is what I want. And then maybe even the deadline will come and go and we don't get what it is that we've asked for. And we're like, well, it didn't work. Now, we could be doing something wrong, but it could also be a Jeremiah 33, 3 time in our life. When God's saying, you call to me, and you wait and listen, and I'm going to tell you great and mighty things that I do not know, that you do not know. I'm going to tell you great and mighty things that you do not know. You see, my daughter had my first granddaughter when she was 18 years old. Now, there's really not very many mothers I've met that ever dream or pray that their teenager can become a mother. And when I discovered that my daughter was pregnant, that certainly seemed to be off the grid of what could possibly be God's plan for our lives. But that little girl came into my world. And when she was about 18 months old, I was diagnosed with cancer and suffering through the treatment of cancer. And at that place where I was sicker than I had ever been, when my 18-year-old granddaughter Misty, River's big sister, crawled up into my lap and laid her head on my shoulder, I recognized that she was connecting with the soul of me and giving me a reason to want to fight and to want to live that I wouldn't have had even with my adult children. God knew. Misty was a great and mighty thing that I did not know. So I just want to encourage you to understand the truth is the truth. We can know that God will answer our prayers because He's given us His Word. When that seems to be confusing or the answer you're getting doesn't seem to be the one you're asking for, then you can be certain that God may be answering you with great and mighty things that you do not know. Second way you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God answers us when we pray is that He's proven His love to you. 
Now, I know that you know that God has given His life for you. That's why you are interested in taking a course to learn how to pray. But I want us all in this course to be reminded just how precious and how powerful this act of love is for us. So I want to read to you out of Romans 8, verses 31 through 39, and I'm reading it out of the New Living Translation of God's Word. You know what? I might back up a little bit. I'm going to start in verse 28, the verse we know so well. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. That's a pretty powerful promise. For God knew His people in advance, and He chose them to become like His Son, so that His Son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, He called them to come to Him. And having called them, He gave them right standing with Himself. And having given them right standing, He gave them His glory. What then shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since He did not spare even His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, won't He also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us, whom God has chosen for His own? No one. For God Himself has given us right standing with Himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and He is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. You think prayer isn't important? The work of Christ from ages past to today, ever since He was resurrected and sitting at the right hand of the Father, His work is to intercede on our behalf. (laughs) A powerful thought. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does, does it mean He no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecution or hunger or we're destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Well, Scripture says, for your sake, we're killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, nor any of the powers of hell can separate us from God's love, no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. My friends, you can know that God will answer your prayer because He's already proved His love to you. God has given His very own Son because He loved you so much. Jesus died for us because He loves us so much. What can we say to things such as these? Can anything be bigger in our lives than God's love for us? Now, I'm I'm saying this to you because there will be times in your life when you're praying and you're like, I've taken this class that assures me that God's going to answer me when I pray. And when you're praying, the circumstances surrounding you immediately look in total contrast to what it is that you're asking God to do. As if the very things you're praying are giving your enemy insight in how to antagonize you a little bit more. At times like that, I want you to turn a deaf ear to the enemy and I want you to focus your attention 
on the cross of Christ. And if you have to, take yourself in your mind's imagination and put yourself at the foot of that cross. And let the blood of Jesus splash down a, a time or two over you and recognize that no matter what is happening around you and what reality seems like it is, the God who assures you that He hears you when you pray, that He will guarantee His answer to you when, he's, when it's time, when it's ready, when it's done. This is the God who has guaranteed to you that all things, even these horrific things, all things will work together for your good and His glory. I heard one person say, if it's not good yet, God's not done yet. You can know that God will answer you when you pray because He's already proven His love to you. The third truth I want you to be able to solidify in your mind and your heart is this. You can know that God will answer your prayers because He's done it before. You see, this is where the faith of your friends can encourage you and bolster your own. This is where living in community with each other can benefit your prayer life and your walk with God. So right now, if you're in that room with other people, I want you to participate with me. And if you're not, ask these questions. You've got them in the book. Ask these questions to your friends to find out. In this room, who among you has been healed of a disease? If you would just indicate by raising your hand, or stand up if you've got room to do that. Who among you has been healed of disease? I could raise my hand. I have. I wouldn't be here except for the grace of God that's healed disease in me. All right? Who among you in this very room have experienced restoration of a relationship that was beyond your ability to repair? I could raise my hand again. Who among you has experienced restoration? You see this? Okay, you can put your hands down. Who among you has come through a storm in your life and actually made it to the other side? I can raise my hand again. Who among you has been in a place that you thought there is no way I'm going to get out of this and you actually got out of it? Raise your hand. Let your friends know. All right, you can put your hands down. Who among you have um, had a financial need met? It was just in an amazing, maybe even humbling way. Had a financial need met. You see, my friends, there's so many ways that we could even say, in fact, the last one, probably everybody in this room could say, who among you has experienced something in your life that only God could do? Only God could do that. Try this. Give life in the first place. Only God can create the miracle of life in the first place. We can know that God will answer whatever prayer it is that we're dealing with right now. Whatever mess it is that we've gotten ourselves into, God can be God in this. Because this is what God does. He gets involved in the details of our lives and He sorts it all out. And He works all things together for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Three absolute truths that you can anchor your confidence on. God will answer you when you pray because he's told you in his word that he would do that. God will answer you when you pray and do it with extravagance because he's driven by his love for you. He's proven his love to you through his own son's death on the cross. 
and then resurrection from the dead. God will answer you when you pray because he's done it before. And this is what he does. there you have it, my friends. That was a recording that I made probably five years ago because my three-year-old Riva is now eight years old. <laughs> and um, she is still a force to be reckoned with. But thankfully, she does not bite, kick, pinch, scratch, or um, um, I, I don't even know. She doesn't do any of those horrible things anymore, at least not until she's very, very angry. But aren't we glad that we have a God who has proven himself trustworthy, a God who has given us his word, a God who challenges us by saying, without faith, it's impossible to please him, but with faith, he um, rewards us. He rewards those who trust him. And so I don't know where you are and what's going on that's causing you to um, have to battle to believe. But I do want you to know this. You can anchor all of your hope, all of your confidence, and all of your trust in the Lord God Almighty. And when you hand him whatever it is that's um, got you loaded down, when you uh, place it all over into his capable and loving hands, you genuinely can not only rejoice one day when he does what he does best, and that is to answer our prayers, but you also can walk with your head held just a little bit higher, with your heart focused on the goodness that's in this day, in this present day. And um, in that way, you can shout amen to the glory of God as you're trusting in his promises. Let's be encouraged. Let's continue to pray. Let's continue to trust the God who is trustworthy. 